This week in the parish of bourses and market structure. While legacy thrives, crypto dives. Adina buys her own stock and SBF is jailed while resorting to pleading for his medicine. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 207. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. We had fun this week in parish notes in Exchange Invest Daily with a summer floor mythbuster was reporting on Robert Downey Jr. dismissing the nicey floor, whereas it was in fact a case of his visiting a very different floor in 1992, namely the NYMEX. A documentary where we happily provided another mythbuster the broader media just cannot manage. That's the Exchange Invest Advantage. If you're serious about market structure, you need to be a member of the Exchange of Information. Subscribe today, exchangeinvest.com. Only $340 per user year, and we're giving away a 30-day free trial for new users. Meanwhile, over in BitCarnage, Sam Bankman-Fried, or indeed Sam Bankman, in jail. Fresh from a discussion where only the lawyers win, that theory certainly was put to the test this week and the thesis looks to still be upstanding in the world of crypto. The lawyers are definitely the only people winning. Nonetheless, last Friday we had a fairly titanic day in the New York courts as US District Judge Lewis Kaplan sided with the ongoing exasperation of the prosecution where Sam Bankman fried had, it seems, ignored pretty much any tenet of his bail terms, including VPN abuses, showing documents in private to New York Times journals. Why is it always the New York Times, incidentally? Why do they so blindly love interacting with Sam? Anyway, in the face of leaks of Caroline Ellison's private diaries, further grist to my thesis that the crypto bro v1.0 thing is sublimely sexist, even more so than dot-com 20-odd years ago. Anyway, SBF exited through the straight-to-jail door from the court as the hearing concluded. That SBF is now in the horrible MDC Brooklyn, where Jeffrey Epstein died. People are arguing that there's even money, if not odds-on, that crypto media is going to be full of SBF to be killed by Democrat authorities, conspiracy theory stories by the time we get to the next podcast, I suspect. And it's also a jail where, of course, the likes of Ghislaine Maxwell and Martin Shkreli have in the past languished, although admittedly, as we're recording this podcast, apparently moves are afoot to try and move SBF upstate so that he can get some Wi-Fi and therefore work on his defence in his limited Fisher-Price Activity Centre laptop. Not that that Fisher-Price Activity Centre laptop didn't manage to stop him trying to get onto a VPN just during the course of his brief, as it now seems, in perspective period of freedom beside the swimming pool at his parents' Californian idol. Anyway, SBF's defence claimed his incarceration by breaking his bail was based upon innuendo, speculation and scant facts. 
which I think is a quotation taken directly from about 50 recent White House press briefings. But enough of the Biden family. Meanwhile, SBF's law firm were soon complaining that the one-time boy wonder of crypto needs a significant quantity of medicine for his various depressions and ADHD disorders. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day on Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage outright, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital asset market structure, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. In exchange news this week, great to see some signs of an IPO awakening in the USA, the haven of capital throughout the world. NYSE and NASDAQ are apparently battling for a clutch of new listings. Meanwhile, Chinese bourses are improving their trading mechanism to try and revive the stock market at a point in time when it looks as if China might even be suffering deflation as the rest of the world suffers with ravaging inflation. Meanwhile, there's controversy in South Korea. Bourses ought to have their HQs in Busan alone, goes a local political mantra, it seems. And that's impacting the alternative stock exchange. That's actually the alternative trading system that's recently been licensed and it seems is being pushed towards having a Busan headquarters next to the Korean exchanges themselves. Still in Southeast Asia, President Tsai Ing-wen promoted financial policies at the Taiwan Stock Exchange Forum. Very, very welcome news indeed. We applaud the visit of the President of Taiwan to the TWSE. Such political support for market structure is always welcome as markets seek to build a better future for all stakeholders in society. Over in Kenya, a lot of controversy there. The Nairobi Coffee Exchange actually finally managed to resume trading. There was a lot of stress about what was going to go on. In the meantime, Co-op Bank, they've won the deal to handle the payment of billions for the settlement processes in the new direct settlement system for the Nairobi Coffee Exchange auction system. In results this week... BSE reported a 71% surge in profits in Q1. Nothing that spectacular in terms of actual underlying business being improved. It would seem that the new CEO carrying out his threat to curtail willy-nilly payment of derivatives incentives for market makers has actually resulted in a palpable improvement in the Bombay Stock Exchange Group's bottom line. Talking about bottom lines elsewhere in results, it was an absolutely frantic week results this week. We can't possibly cover all of them in this podcast. They were each and every one of them dissected within Exchange Invest Daily. Baima, that's the unified Argentine exchange. They res- announced their results for second quarter 2023. Spectacular on the headline income plus 180%, net income plus 359%, EBITDA margin 71%. Unfortunately, there is the fact that this is Argentina. The economic background is Argentina has one of the highest inflation rates in the world, I quote from Reuters, with the annual reading near 116%, which Hammer's earning power has forced the government to hike the interest rate to 97% and seen it burn through dollars to protect the peso. So overall good results, but being a peso earner remains a troublesome issue, as it has pretty much ever since those much glamorised peronistas pushed the button on the most spectacular, annoying downturn, which dates all the way back to the aftermath of World War II, when Buenos Aires was capital of the world's sixth largest economy, albeit only briefly. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast.
New markets this week. Interesting to see that the Kingdom of Cambodia are going to be cooperating with regulators in Laos to develop the capital market. Meanwhile, in deals news this week, not so busy, it was the middle of summer, but two very, very crisp and chunky stories. Nasdaq CEO Adina Friedman has been buying up the sliding Nasdaq stock. She paid $510,000 on July the 31st for 10,000 Nasdaq shares, an average price of $51 each, means she now owns 1.672 million Nasdaq shares in her personal account and 147,000 shares through trusts. That's a great move. Adina puts her money right where her mouth is and buys Nasdaq stock. When the market has written it down because our current exchange investor cadre contains far too many risk-averse, visionless dividend suckers. The Adena behaviour is great for markets and one of, alas, a handful of times when C-suiters have been buying their own stock as opposed to exercising options during the 10-year history of Exchange Invest. It's an excellent move to provoke pause for thought. Meanwhile, if we can add some risk-oriented investors to participate in the exchange field, it would be an enormous boon to the parish overall, as right now they are not readily apparent. One other deal this week, MSCI. They've announced the acquisition a totality of Burgess, extending their private assets portfolio of data. MSCI announced it's entered a definitive agreement to acquire the remaining 66% of Burgess it did not own for $697 million in cash. That makes a total investment of $913 million for 100% of the company. If you're looking to try and get to grips with how the world of exchanges is developing, how markets are applying blockchain cryptocurrency, and indeed how the fintech world is growing, then you ought to consider my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, is an easy read. It's published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live streams. Tuesday, 6pm London, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. We're currently on a summer break, but we're still showing some highlights and repeats from the course of the summer season. Our next live show is going to be after Labor Day, September the 12th, IPO vid 116. Reiner Zittelman's coming back to talk about the wealth elite. Speaking of the wealth elite, that actually brings us elegantly to our book of the week, Adam Smith's The Money Game. Adam Smith was, of course, actually a pseudonym for George Goodman, who wrote this 1969 bestseller that's as relevant today as it was then. Great quotations throughout, very pithy reading. If you don't know who you are, the stock market is an expensive place to find out, as George Goodman described it. Product news this week, Hong Kong exchanges are eyeing options contracts on the MSCI A-Shares Index. That's very welcome news indeed and a logical position for HKEX to be expanding into. Korea, they're expediting the creation of the world's first hydrogen power tender market. That also leads us to ponder this week in, in Exchange Invest. Why don't we see more markets in not just hydrogen but also helium? Elsewhere, China, according to the Brussels Bugle, the Financial Times, is pushing to dominate trading in clean energy markets. Technology news this week. There were a couple of whoops nasties. The LME required some people to resubmit some trade orders after a systems issue. The Bank of England had a real-time gross settlement outage. That hit key payment systems for a couple of hours. And then there's one piece of deal news and technology. ION, they've sealed the acquisition of Italy's Prelios from Davidson Kempner, the PE firm, in an estimated $1.5 billion deal. That's the first major deal for ION, of course, since their hacking fiasco earlier this year.
Regulation news on the Chinese mainland. Hong Kong securities regulators and the Chinese mainland authorities have reached a consensus on block trading. Very welcome it is indeed too. At the same time, the SEC of Pakistan have imposed what seem to be rather swinging, if not outright stupid term restrictions on the directors and CEOs and C-suite of capital market infrastructure institutions. They're Imposing of term restrictions across the C-suite strikes me as simply idiotic. Canada, they've updated the industry on the move towards trade matching deadlines. That's the move from T plus 2 to T plus 1, which is expected to take place with T plus 1 trading happening for the first time on May the 28th, 2024. And at the same time, the DTCC have announced that they are testing systems already with a view to implementing U.S. T plus one trading at around the same time. SEBI, they've made a great leap forward. They've halved the listing time for new stocks and bonds to three days. In career paths this week, N. Koroshevskaya has been elected chairperson of the management board of Case Clearing Centre JSC. Equally, the Ghana Stock Exchange, they have appointed Frank Yuffie Mensa Berle as the deputy managing director of the exchange, effective from the July the 11th. SIBO Global Markets appointed Mandy Shu as a vice president and the head of derivatives market intelligence. And Irfan Hussein is going to be joining the LSEG as chief information officer. That means that Odd, the out of his depth Dave, the group CEO, has inserted a fellow Goldman alumni into the role of CIO as Tony McCarthy is now slated to retire in early 2024. Looks like a continuation of the political retaking of control, in a manner of speaking, after the departure of Andrea Revan Stone last year. Out of his depth Dave has taken back control, in a manner of speaking, across his technology and data division. But can he execute to make LSE great again? And that leaves us in the midst of Big World, where we had a fun fact this week, discerned from spending far too much time watching C-SPAN hearings in Congress. Apparently, the US Army spends $41.6 million annually on Viagra. No, we've no idea either. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Marketplaces the World Over, publisher and founder of Exchange Invest, the exchange of information, the water cooler of the board's business. I wish you all a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.